Welcome to After Hours at the Radio Book Club, which is a collaboration between KGNU Community Radio and the Boulder Bookstore. I'm Maeve Conran of KGNU. As always, my co-host, Arsen Kashkashian of the Boulder Bookstore. And our guest today is Gregory Hill. It's Greg's third visit to the bookstore today. He's here to talk about Sister Liberty, the first volume of The Stables Family Chronicles. So where did The Stables Family go from here? The Stables family, I don't know entirely. I do know that at some point there's going to be an appearance. They're, they're going to start a variety show on, um, you know, in the, like 1967, maybe opposite the Smothers Brothers, and there's going to be some rancor. It's really, the, the challenge is to write a musical epic tale without having, like I want to have as little music in it as possible. I basically just want to, not satisfy the reader in any fashion about that because writing about music is a waste of time when you can actually go listen to it. You thought I was going to do that Frank that Frank Sinatra that Frank Zappa quote, didn't you? What's the Frank Zappa quote? Writing about music is like dancing about architecture. Oh yes. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. So well, you're in 1885 yes. and they're in a community where you're not even allowed to play music. I would think where yes. you can whistle. Yes. And whistling does play a major role here. It's a major role. And okay, yes. So I guess tell me about you. What's your what's your relationship with whistling and and how it ended up in this book? <laughs> you know I've, I've long, dude. Okay, check this out. I don't know if I can do it. Go for us. I can sometimes whistle in stereo, and it won't make any sense if you can't see it. That's not working. I can if I stick my tongue in the center of my mouth and I blow on either side, I get two distinct whistles. Wow. Oh, yeah. that sounds incredible. Well, now what I liked about yeah. the whistling was that there. Auguste, the young boy who's the profound, who's a fabulous whistler, he uses tooth whistles. So these are essentially the teeth of cows. Right? Yeah. Cows, incisors. Yeah. yeah. And he pops them in his cheek. I'd never heard of that before. No, you hadn't. It seemed quite ancient, oh. like a tradition. I was like, oh, I wonder, is this something that ancient folk would have done? Pansy thought that too, didn't she? And then, and then, um, uh, this Kermit stovepipe uh, clarified, no, it's just something I started doing myself, I think. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I don't know. You wrote us. Oh, that's I don't remember every <laughs> word of these things. <laughs> yeah, but my, but the thing I have not yet done because I will do. I, I you know what? Now I promise I will do it. I'm going to make some tooth whistles, which means taking some cow incisors, putting some holes in them, sticking them in my cheeks. I will learn to play them, and I'm going to record an accompanying, maybe an eight-hour soundtrack or uh, score for this book, so you can listen to me blow through teeth. While you read. We yes. could do a live at KGNU session, you know, with you just blowing the whistles. Blowing the whistle and then reading. Oh, you know, we'll, we'll just say, dear reader, while I am whistling, you will read for the next eight hours. That's like Willie Vlotten did that. He wrote a really? soundtrack for the book. Now, yeah. he's a musician as well. It wasn't a soundtrack for the film of the book, which I, he, many films have been made of his books. But he actually wrote a soundtrack that you listen to while you're reading the book. And Think. Willie Vlotten is a freaking genius. I love him. He, I'm sure he feels the same about you. Well, I could, sorry. But, and, and actually, the reason I say about you in that way is I want to segue into the fact that the way you set the book up, it's not just diving into the story of the French widows and the, you know, solemn nights and all of that. It's set up that you're a ghostwriter, that we are actually reading the words of C.I. Stables. C.I. stands for Caution Irrational yes. Stables. And this is how it all begins in present day, yes. then it takes us back. So why did you set it up like that? 
there are a couple reasons. One, uh, um, angle of repose. Is that the one that uh, the uh, Stegner? Stegner? Yeah, the one that that's 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 framed. There's an old man, and then he's so that that was. But I'm that was kind of a thing. How am I going to set this all up and and lend some some uh, veracity to it, that sense to it? But the other thing is by putting two introductions in the book that have very little to do with what actually happens afterward. That's let me. Oh, I just noticed you have a, a Philadelphia 76ers cap. I do. That's I not do. cool. All right. So <laughs> it's cool. It's just, it's, just, it's, just, it's cool on him. It's cool on you. Yeah. Who's your MVP? Oh, it's Embiid, of course. That's not cool. All right. So <laughs> furthermore, uh, um, I, I, I did these two ridiculous introductions. Partly for the same reason that my previous book, the first paragraph was consisted of these long um, uh, clause-filled sentences that you had to read three times to figure out what was going on. And the reason I'm doing that is so I can scare off readers who aren't going to enjoy the book. So it's like you've got to pass through this threshold to earn the right to read this book. And if you're not going to like this part, then you're going to leave and you're not going to write me any hate mail and, um, and we can just move on. So it's for the truly dedicated. Yeah, which is why I have that uh, that <laughs> the warning on the back of the book too. Why yes. don't you read out the warning? Let's start with the warning. We maybe should have started that oh. at the beginning. Okay, warning: this novel. Deca- I'm sorry. <clears throat> warning: this novel contains descriptions of whistling, allegorical situations, lesbians, apostasy, and a pleasure wheel. Also, eleven instances of the word. F- yeah, I thought when I read the back of the book before mm-hmm. I started reading the book, I really thought the pleasure wheel was going to be mm-hmm. more pleasurable. It yeah. was a Ferris wheel, which is fun, right? But I, I was I was warned. Uh, to, to be honest, the uh, or to be frank, or to be uh, what's that word that autistic people are pedantic. Thank you. To be pedantic, um, that it was an actual uh, name given to early Ferris wheels. Uh-huh. Well, that makes so sense. It didn't, I didn't invent that. But it definitely the concept of a pleasure wheel, plus then you've, then you've got the implication. They're coming right after the lesbians, it yeah. sounds like. Yeah, so. It's uh, a different kind of book. Right, which is, but I want to scare off the people who are going to make that jump. But now. I find it scary. There was level of ecstasy reached by one of the Sisters of Solemn on that pleasure wheel. Yeah, wasn't that great? I like that part. Because, so, yeah, there's, there's this sort of Sister Honora, who is the, the sort of, she's the matriarch of the whole village and basically runs the place, even though the preacher's a, a man. Um, uh, but uh, uh, and he's ostensibly the leader. But she is the most staid of all of the, um, of, of the Solomites, or Solemnites. Sometimes it's pronounced with the N, sometimes it's not. Um, uh she then has this moment with the obligatory flashback to tr- childhood trauma, and it's just so fun to watch her like pop through her own little uh, barrier, her break the liminal thing. I'm a much better writer than I am a talker. I'm sorry about but that. But we know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. Like that, that glass ceiling of yeah. pleasure or, you know, that, broke that through. Fascia, that fascia, the, 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 the placental um, skin and pops out into this world and she's like this is actually fun what have i been doing being such a fuddy-duddy this whole time well it's interesting you talk about the the trauma because we didn't talk about that in the radio interview but mm-hmm. this whole like the the solemn nights are all really this is all reaction to a mass trauma 
Yes. There's been a, and you would, you know, there was a mining accident that took many people in the community. And that has led to this, we're not going to get too high, we're not going to get too low, we're just going to keep it together exactly. kind of thing, right? So like they are, and as one who's on antidepressants, I can't say that they're on the right ones, but it seems like they are like Prozac Village, where they're not too high, not too low, let's just keep it cool. Um, thank you for letting me say that. That's okay, they're all on an even keel. We talked a little bit about this in the radio interview, and I would definitely refer listeners back to that because that has more. It'll give you more of a sense of what the book is about. But you don't delve into stereotypes about religious folks. They are all good hearted people. Yes. Even the ones from the Revelation Street and the the, the Nimrodians, the Nimrodians. Yeah, everybody. They're all really well meaning because they're well, and in in the. Because there are certain things about Christian extremists that are hard to take, and there's but there's but we're all people, and we all sort of follow into the we follow the channel. We're water floating down the we go into our river and end up in an ocean, and sometimes the ocean is filled with nonsensical stuff that makes you judge people in a mean way. But you're still people doing that, and they all and you can be pleasant. So they're not the problem. It's just the human nature of whatever. Yes, I was fond of all these characters. The only extremists are the Amish who are getting upset about the candles and the use of which mechanical a, light, which is, you know, that's fine. That's yeah, their thing. They don't like it. And, and yeah, if there are any Amish people who would um, like to weigh in on the matter of, of, of gaslighting. No, don't. Please. Sorry. Goodbye. So if you were... If you 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 uh you talked about all your warnings so you didn't get hate mail and stuff. Yeah. If you were to pick something in this book that would most likely get you hate mail, what might that be? Was there something you'd be like? I don't know. Somebody's gonna send me a letter on this. I don't know because you got to keep in mind that I have a, a a very strong, robust sense of insecurity. So I would just say the whole thing. Um, but I don't probably. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Ah, the Narwhal Society. I think you misrepresented narwhals. <laughs> <laughs> there are maybe Peter. There were two lambs who did get their heads chopped off. You know, it was I don't want to give that away as a major plot point, but that was one of the churches of what was their church? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, uh, the Church of the San. Another word I've never pronounced before: the Sanguine Lamb. So. <laughs> <laughs> They're all so literal. All the churches are so literal in exactly what they believe in. Um, yeah, that. Well, I think yeah, the whole presentation of the churches because that things get really ridiculous when the when the guy <laughs> brings the piano on stage <laughs> and doesn't play it. Um, so I think that would be offensive. But oh, you know the one line because I have some friends who grew up in the Church of Christ, and there's a line in the book where. Uh, one of the the, uh, the the pilgrims makes fun of the Church of Christ. It's like, hey guys, if uh, if this is too much fun for you, you can go down to the river. The church, the Christ churches are having baptisms or something. And nobody will be there. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm and I know my friend's mom is not listening right now, but uh, she did not come to my book reading. Please tell me you're in talks with Netflix about adapting this. But I know I'm in talks with nobody about adapting anything. <laughs> well, now that you are at the helm of your own entertainment empire, and so yes. to segue, we actually got to meet the real Daisy Dog, but your book is now published under Daisy Dog Press, of yes. which you are the head of this publishing empire. Right, yes. 
You're in full control of what happens next. I am an emperor, yes. Well, I'm in full control of me not getting pissed off at the guy who's doing a crappy job publishing my books. Or the people who are, whatever. Um, now I get to do it, and I can't, I already loathe myself beyond imagination, so uh, it all fits in perfectly. But well, you, go ahead. I was going to say, was there something unexpected, yes. like, uh, this is a little harder than I thought it was, or was it? Uh, did it go pretty smoothly for you? The only thing that I wouldn't say was unexpected, but was very disappointing, is that um, I can't get my books. Like, they, my books are only in two Colorado bookstores, I think, right now. They're in our store? Yeah. And they, yeah, we were actually in Boulder the other day, and I we took pictures of it because I don't normally take pictures of my books on shelves, but like finally, um, so that that's frustrating because I'm a I'm a I'm a it's just ridiculous because when I've had publishers, my last three publishers were not they didn't do anything really. It was the last two especially they just even though you I mean you were winning so many awards. Yeah, it doesn't matter when the rewards, but but they the because the. I don't know what it is, but publishers at the level I am, they don't offer anything except for this the not being self-published. Because I couldn't get, I I, try, I sent my book to the a, uh, a Denver newspaper, um, the big one, and nope, they don't do self-published books. And I'm like, but I'm doing, I'm more of a publisher than my previous publishers. I'm actually getting stuff out on time. And, You're a Colorado Book Award winner. Yeah, it I mean, you would much. think that would open the door. Well. Yeah, I'm not this year. <laughs> okay, we need to start a campaign here. We've oh. got a change.org petition going. I volunteered to be a judge for subsequent Colorado Book Awards, um, just to maybe help liven things up, <laughs> with all due respect. Well, I want to... Okay, so now you founded Daisy Dog Press, yes. which on the back, and like, as I said, we've met the real-life Daisy Dog. She's, She's a good dog. Excited. She's she? a beautiful dog. And it says it's a division of the Sparky the Dog Entertainment Empire. Yes. I just have to give you some feedback. After all of the names of the churches that you created, mm -hmm. I was thinking we would have more the ent the empire of the da-da-da-da-da-da would be sort of like a 10-word sort of named oh. empire of your entertainment division. That's a valid statement. And I apologize. The problem is that I had come up with the Sparky the Dog Entertainment Empire probably 10 years ago. Okay. So it predates that. And I don't want to, you know, go re-register my L. Oh, so it's an actual I just, empire. I just I see. did. I thought maybe that would allow people to think that I'm an actual writer instead of just passing me off as a, a guy who is, you know, running. running. Is there a real here. Sparky the Dog? Oh, yeah. Oh, good. Okay. Well, that makes me sleep better at night now. Yes. She was a good, she was, she, I was going to say she was good in bed. She was, <laughs> <laughs> she was a good buddy. Yeah. She was a good dog. She was a good dog. So Sparky the Dog Entertaining Empire has Sparky the Dog Music Studios. It's got Daisy Dog Press. We have Cinema Izzy, which we, whereupon we release our family uh, Christmas videos every year. It's very accomplished. We've won no palms of anything. Isn't that what you win? At the Palme d'Or. Palme d'Or yeah. at Cannes. Or Cannes. I don't know. Depending if you're in Indiana or <laughs> wherever. Uh, so, yes, it's a vast. It is an empire. It just maybe needs to be more. I can work on that. It's a lot. It's a lot of work, I would imagine, being mm. at the helm of a media empire. Well, I'm being an emperor, period. Yeah. So the nice thing is we don't, um, we, by I mean me, um, really, we've given up on being able to actually distribute things or, 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 or like become you know, adored by people. 
And so it makes life so easy because we can just release thousands and thousands of things. Well, not that. I've recorded like 50 albums. <laughs> Sparky the Dog Records is the only record label on earth to have recorded more albums than it has sold. <laughs> That's a good record. Well, I mean, maybe not. Well, you know, well, our records are not that good. We're here to make sure that doesn't happen on the book side. Yeah, nice. we want to. We want to get this book going. I I would be. But I do want to yeah. see. It was so visual when I, you know, the name of the churches and the fake Jesus and I mean, the, you can actually see all, these things I in your head. I saw this and I was like, they're, 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 they're so visual to me. That doesn't make and sense. And then the the, so, the, the nuns and the narwhal and I was just the whole thing. I was like, I gotta see this on. Netflix. It's so, um, I find it uh, just Im almost implausible that, because I don't see any of these things in my head. They're mm. just concepts. So when you're, when you say that, I just wonder what the dickens is going on inside that knocking of yours and how did I do that? Yeah, I mean, I really saw the All Tent Revival and like that mm. scene I talked about in the radio interview with the kids running around, I kind of saw that almost as a movie. You'd have the camera at a lower level right. and they're playing this crazy kids game while everybody's trying to do their re their religion you know i but you were so, so descriptive was, about like yeah. the morning when they were waking up and you could hear the oh, proselytizing yeah. coming from the various different churches that were all hilariously named with their own form of christianity and just it was just it really was so visual and cinematic yeah. when i was reading it I guess I just I got a knack. For Someone call Netflix. Just I, somebody call them. We got to make a, a meeting of Sparky the Dog Entertainment Empire. And it's Netflix. actually Cinema Izzy Wing is who they should contact. Okay, they, well. they deal with all the screenplays and rights. But I uh, I also love visually the idea of being in the crate with the head of the Statue of Liberty, and then when they come out in the scene that you read, um, with the two hundred and twelve crates, which. Is that a real number? Is that completely made up? Did you did you that's, look? That I is... did some actual research on okay. this book. Yeah, real number. Yeah, so that's 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 that Citizen Kane or um, uh, 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 Raiders of the Lost Ark. That that's that, I was imagining that warehouse for this, although it would not have actually matched what was going on. And do you know what the French village <laughs> where, yeah. where this takes place? <laughs> so I, I had a French friend no longer do because of because she helped me on this book. <laughs> that relation stopped, but. Um, she uh, she got mad at me because she's like, what? When is this taking place? You're just like, this doesn't seem at all like a French village would be in, in 1885. And I, well, my, my model for that village was this film called uh, uh, Le Return de Martinière, or The Return of the Gérard Depardieu. Oh, yes. Film. Yeah. One of my favorite actors. Yeah. So, but that takes place in like the 1100s or something. It seemed sort of older. Yeah. I was expecting the plague or something to come yeah. sweeping through this particular French village. Yeah. So. And there is a plague that runs through the village. Uh, very, It's very briefly mentioned. I got it all in there. Uh, and you don't want to know, you're probably wondering, sorry. Uh, I am wondering. Okay, yeah, why, sentence. why was there a bear in this book? Because oh. I had just read for the second time uh, Faulkner's uh, oh. freak out thing called the bear. and uh, But this is a nice bear. Well, sure, yes. But I, and then I was like, crap, it's, it's taking place in basically the south. This is the part of Indiana. I would walk there with my grandpa and... We go down to the fishing hole, but I mean, one time we were walking down there, and there's a kid comes up, and and we encounter him in the forest, and he's got he's got some it's like the kid in the book. He's got dead squirrels on a string, and like he's like, "Hello, Reverend Williams, how you doing? Oh, you do? Well. I'm just hunting some squirrels." 
that's, I love that. And I just like to imagine, why am I saying this? So it's the South is what I'm saying. It's the American South in Indiana. And um, you got to have a bear hunt in the South. <laughs> that's the whole reason why the bear showed up. And then it turned into like one of the, another, yet another weird ass f***ed up thing that, um, that I have to explain. Or have to justify. I have to figure out. I like doing that. Taking weird things and trying to stuff them in the hole. You know, I um, I didn't have trouble with it being rural France in 1885. Partially because you just talked about the American South and, and regions of America. You know, there were regions of America that didn't have electricity, didn't have running water. You know, all the way till, till the end of World War II. It, you know, it was really, there was, you know, this country was not 100% electrified or running water until probably the 50s, you know? Yeah. So in 1885 is 60 years before that. So if you're in some, you know, tiny town anywhere, not just the south, I imagine there's tiny mountain towns in 1885 that would have been pretty isolated Ooh. or, you know. You hear that, Sylvie? <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah, because my mom talks about growing up, and, and she, she was – I mean, she was in this southern Indiana, whatever. It, and my dad, they didn't have electricity or anything, for crying out loud. So, so yeah. was it your grandfather Did you, who was a Methodist preacher? Yes. So do you, did you ever go to his sermons? I mean, did you see him in action? But the Methodists aren't like the Fire and Brimstone or no, the, the other type of crazy churches at the Revival. They're a little bit more constrained. Not solemn night constrained. Well, things but... are going nuts right now in that church, and I could talk at great length about that because my mom is involved in the church, and she's... Um... But anyway, we don't want to get down there. Oh, a split right now. Yeah, yeah. well, th- th- here in Boulder, there have been various different splits with the First United over LGBTQ stuff and yep. various different things. Yeah, there's a... Yeah, there, so mom's... The church that she attended for 40-some years and helped prop up for much of that time and played piano and sat in as a, as a, as a preacher for when they couldn't have a preacher. Um, just basically, they just dis, uh, disaffiliated with the main Methodist church. And, it's, and we have relationships with these people. And I'm just like, thanks for making your bigotry very clear to us. I don't know what to do with you anymore. Have a revival. Yeah, go have a revival, jackass. No, you have the revival. Oh, yeah, I'm going to have a revival, <laughs> jackass. All right, so um, uh, what were we talking about? I would about? go okay. to a revival hosted by Gregory Hill. It would be just entertaining. I'd be so anxious, though. But, yeah, it's entertaining. You could just be behind the scenes and right, okay. you know, in your tent. Like yeah. Auguste when he's doing the whistles and he entices them in. So if we have, like, a because we've been talking about have a blowout music party fun thing. Not Woodstock, more of a Ken Kesey level, but not that level. Not with the Kool-Aid and stuff. You can bring your own Kool-Aid. But, and because we live, I mean, this is, our, our backyard is a half mile square of pasture. And then, and then a half mile away, you can just walk a half mile north or west, and you'll come upon this big pit full of dead cattle. Um, so if you want to get, so want to come? <laughs> <laughs> you had me at the dead cattle. That sounds okay. incredible. Daisy, Daisy goes out to the cattle pit every once in a while. And I know she's been to the cattle pit because she's holding a severed leg in her hand. <laughs> and then she just wants her. This is why I write such weird stuff about animals. Because when you grow up on a farm, your cats get run over. And you just become hardened against anything. And then everybody's always talking about, like, oh, there's some deer. Wish I had a gun. I'd shoot them. So you just are just indoctrinated with this desire to not like your animals. You have a pet cow. Well, guess what? At the end of the year, you're taking it to the 4-H, the, the Stick County Fair. And it's going to get sold. And, and you're not going to have your friend anymore. I saw poor Greg Wise. I remember him crying. That's why I just have parakeets. 
we're not going to do anything with our parakeets. They're like, you know. They live a long time, don't they? Yeah. Well, the parakeets will live maybe six to ten years. I oh, think. okay. They're like parrots, parrots can live like 90 I don't have years. How not to put them in my yeah. will. Yeah, you got to will your parrot. <laughs> you got a parrot, you got to have like a succession plan. Who, where's this parrot going when I'm not around? Oh, man. You know, something to think about. Maybe there that could be a be, parrot yeah, in the next a stables book. parrot. And that lasts through the generations. Man. That's your through years. line right there. I'm trying to, I'm or a turtle. Wear These are all great ideas. These are all great. I'm trying to like not embrace that part so much because I'm trying to get rid of that part of me, and and like I'm I don't eat hardly eat meat anymore. Sort of as that was a reaction to the uh, the meat ends. The cow piss. Well, in the cow pit. No, I don't. But, like, <laughs> You're not going down there. What's for dinner? <laughs> oh, sorry. I, the, Let's the, head down to the cow pit. The, 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 there's two things you talk about in the country. Um, and one is um, injuries you've gotten. Like, see my thumb here? That was a belt sander, recent one. So you just talk about that or you wiggle your finger, football injury. And then, um, uh, or you talk about uh, just horrible animal deaths. And I know that's not a pleasant thing because when I went to college at CU, as a freshman, I would speak about these things as if they were normal. Like, you know, at the... Uh, I had I've eaten bowl nuts once at the at the FFA slave sale, and the audience for that was not prepared for a single word of what I just said, and and, and, and I was very. It took me a while to adjust, and clearly I have not. But I'm trying to not embrace that part of me so much. Sorry, where were it's we? It's probably safer territory than maybe some of the political issues you could be running into. Oh yeah, it is. You can always talk about injuries and dead animals, but if you try to talk about the concept of gravity or the age of the earth all of a sudden or if you quit drinking your friends disappear okay well on that note that's okay i'm so bitter i love you guys just pour it into (laughs) the next book we want to hear the second volume of the stables family chronicles who knows where it's going to go but we look forward to it sister liberty is greg hill's latest book he has been our guest at after hours at the radio book club a collaboration between kgnu and the boulder bookstore I'm Maeve Conran of KGNU. As always, my co-host, Arsene Kashkashian of the Boulder Bookstore. Thanks, Arsene. Thanks, Maeve. And thank you, Greg. Thank you, and thank you, dear listener.